All right, good morning, dear friends. I love you. I love you. I genuinely love you. I am so glad you're joining us uh, here this morning for church. Um, glad you're here. We've been walking through the book of Ephesians uh, together. Last week was all about living worthy of the calling that God has uh, given us. Called us sons and daughters, called us his beloved, called us amazing folks. And so we were talking about how to live worthy of that. And today we're going to continue with this idea as Paul highlights the difference between our old self before we knew Jesus and our new self once we do know Jesus. What would that look like and, and how does that affect my day-to-day -day reality? And today we're going to dive right into that and we're going to see that in Ephesians chapter 4 starting in verse 17. Here's the old you. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Wow. I'm going to read that. That sounds so base. It sounds so animalistic. But, but that's what we see in people who don't have God as their moral compass. Morality becomes for them what is good to me, what is right for me, what I think is the proper response. It becomes all about experiencing the world through the senses because that's all the world could be experienced without God, without the supernatural. And so what makes me feel good? What makes me happy? What do I think is the right way to navigate this? When people reject God, both consciously and unconsciously, it highlights the futility of their thinking. It hardens their hearts and it makes sensuality the only goal because that's all that's left. Futility. Futility, when we use that word or when the Bible used that word, the, the thought isn't that the unregenerate mind is empty. That isn't true. Non-believers think all the time about stuff. But futility of thinking is that they're, they're thinking and they're filled with things that lead to nothing. Their thinking chases down and spends time planning for things that don't matter and ultimately won't satisfy. Many will go a lifetime spending all their mental energy on a job that they don't like to earn money that they'll never spend. That'd be futility. Chasing happiness in, in other people, relationships, in, in travel, or in buying things. Thinking that if, if I could just do X, or if I could just get Y, then I'll be content. But it never ceases, and they never have enough experiences or things. It's futility of thinking. And then the Bible says that there's a hardening of the heart. Hard hearts toward God means that they're separated from the life that God really has. If God is the author of life and all things that are true and real and right, to be separated from him and have our hearts away from him means that we can't experience a life that's only found in him. Now, I see this a lot in life where people say like, oh, God is fine or whatever, but, but I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do the things that, that, that are on my path. I want to do it my way. Knowing this is true for so many people, my wife and I, we had uh, two prayers when we uh, had our kids. Our two prayers for our kids was first that they would uh, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That was our number one prayer so they could get into heaven because we want to spend eternity with them. 
And our second prayer was knowing about this, that, that they would have a heart that would be for God. It doesn't matter what profession or what direction, but, but their heart would be for God. That no matter what they're doing, that, that their heart wouldn't be hardened and, and follow the way of the world, but rather their heart would be open because we know the life in God is the true life worth living. Everything else is going to be false. And so that was our prayer for them. With a hardened heart, the only way to see the world is through sensuality. That's it. Because if our hearts are closed off to the spiritual things of God, then all we have left is our senses. And the only goal then will be pleasure. The verse says that in sensuality. We use, sometimes we use the word sensuality in a sexual sense, uh, and that's part of the rejection of God and, and the indulgence of non-believers, but that's only one part of it. So when the Bible says, like, oh, you need to avoid sensuality or, or this kind of hard heart leads to sensuality, it's not just that kind of desire for sex, but it's also a desire for more and more money, a desire for the material things it provides that indulges the senses, seeking after one's own comfort. That's sensuality. I'm just trying to live for the things that make me happy. Hours on the phone chasing other people's lives can be sensuality. And that's what we ought to expect from non-believers. One worry that I have is because we're so inundated with this culture, even as believers, we're, we're in this culture all the time. I expect non-believers to be that way, but I, I worry that as believers we become that way as well. That we fall into the same trap as the non-believers, or our lives don't even look any different than the non-believers, that we too are chasing after things in the, in the realm of sensuality. The Ephesian pe people, they, they were in an awfully similar situation to us as the culture all around them was pagan. The culture all around them was hard heart towards God. And they, they were asked now to be something different. Their culture was secular and, and so was ours. But that made the contrast between a believer and a non-believer so much clearer. And I hope that there's a clear delineation between our view of the world and the life that God has for us as believers and those as the non. See, he said that's what your old self is, this kind of stuff where it's self-promoting, where it's looking after your senses. It's, it's trying to find these other things. And then he says there's something different. Paul says the same thing. Here's his summary phrase. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. In Jesus, there is... Now a contrast in kind. The truth exposes the previous lies and it makes walking in them impossible. And so he talks about the new you. Here's our next section and where we'll spend the majority of our time this morning. What does the new you look like? In Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The new self is a new creation created at, in us at conversion. And it's the person that God created originally according to his image, the one that is instinctively righteous and holy, the one that desires God, the new person in Christ, frees us from the stain of sin so that we can be all that we were created to be, all that we were meant to be, the way God designed us to be. In contrast, the old self, who's the person inherited from Adam, 
and instinctively rebels against God, says no to the things of God, is constantly looking after the self and the flesh. He draws that contrast. To live your life in God, the proper alignment of a believer is to put off your old self. It says two things here. First, you have to recognize that there's a difference for all people between before you met Jesus and made him the Lord of your life and after you met Jesus. Now, sometimes that's like dramatic and obvious when a gang member who's killed people in prison and he says yes to Jesus and it's so obvious that he's now on fire for the Lord and he doesn't kill people, he hugs them instead in prison, you know, like... It, there are some really dramatic, obvious like conversions where that person was like a horrible human being, like, they tortured cats or whatever they did, you know, and then now they're like, now they save orphans, you know, something like that. But for the rest of us and most of us, it's it's subtle and it's quiet. It's uh, especially for the, you who became believers at an early age, at, at at ten, you accepted Jesus at VBS, and 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 you've been following the Lord since then, and. But even then, there was an old self and a new self, even if it's not that dramatic from the outside. Fundamentally, Paul says that for the Christian, there must be a break with the past. Jesus isn't merely added to our old life. Rather, Jesus is the new life, where they are completely separate persons almost. They're completely separate identity. They're completely separate selves. And the new self begins in the attitude of the mind, the verse says. The true battle for behavior happens long before the actual manifestation of that behavior. I have to think about stealing. I have to desire the object that I'm thinking about. i got to make a plan for stealing, and then I actually steal it. I'm never walking through Target. I get out the door, shoop, go outside, and I reach in my pocket. Oh, a pack of gum. How'd that get in there? Like... It mysteriously popped in. No, I had to think about it. I had to, if I was going to steal some gum, mm, I want some gum. Oh, there's some, no one's looking. I got to grab it. I got to put it in my pocket. The putting in the pocket is the stealing. But the five other things ahead of that is all the process of my mind. So we have got to be renewed in the attitude of our mind. The new self begins in our minds. The behavior doesn't happen unless the mind first decides it. So Paul reminds his folk to be made new in the attitude of their mind. The goal or the, the sight picture, I learned sight picture from uh, the old people club, or was it empty nester club where we were shooting guns. Get a sight picture. What are you aiming at? What are you going for? The sight picture is God. We want to emulate his righteousness, his holiness, his goodness. Now it's going to be actually impossible to, to become perfect. I can't actually become God, but, but that's what I'm going towards. That's what I'm striving towards. That's what I want my new mind to be look like. That, that's the attitude of my new mind is, is this sight picture of God and Jesus who lived on earth and loved people and cared for them and spoke the truth in love and was giving and sacrificial and humble and all these things. So that's my sight picture as I renew my mind. The second thing this verse, these verses are telling us is that you have to actively decide to put off oneself and put, off, put on a new self. This actually idea is, uh, in the Greek, is to change into a different kind of con, uh, conduct. Uh, it's used primarily in changing outfits. So the Bible is saying, uh, think of it like a jacket. 
to change jackets, I have to intentionally remove the one that I'm wearing. I have to take it off. People are wondering, why are you wearing a jacket, Pastor Sam? You never wear a jacket. Well, here you go. That's why. I've got to take that off. And I've got to actively decide to put on a different one. And I've got to grab that different one, and I've got to put it on. See, this jacket didn't mysteriously appear on me all of a sudden. It didn't out of nowhere pop on to me. But sometimes we think that's how spirituality is supposed to be. No, you've actually, you've you got to put off one, and you've got to put on a new one. I chose, uh, you know, I put off this uh, uh, cool old Adidas LL Cool J one that I used to be. And now, you know, it rained this week, so I put on the weatherproof one. It's, you know, it's, it's a rainproof, it's waterproof. It, I, I've got to actively choose which one I'm going to be wearing. It doesn't naturally fall off. It doesn't magically change. The intentionality of the wearer matters. We've got to be active in the process in which the Spirit's working. So I want you to do something when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning and you go to get dressed, I want you to imagine yourself picking your outfit, picking yourself for the day. Am I going to go with the Am I going to go with the, the new self? Or am I going to go with the old self today? Make a decision each morning. When you wake up, I don't know, hopefully, I don't know if you sleep in your street clothes, probably don't sleep in your jackets. You know, most of us sleep in a little bit less. Some of us sleep in nothing, not saying, no judgment. But when you put something on, you don't leave the house naked, usually, most of you. When you're putting that something on in the morning, when you actually are putting your clothes on, I'd like you to think in the same way, oh, I'm putting on this shirt today, I'm putting on this jacket, I'm putting these shorts on, I'm using these shoes. I'd actually like you to think, what am I going to put on in a spiritual sense? Am I going to put on my God jacket, my new self, or how am I going to approach the world? Am I going to approach it the old way? We each have to decide. Then Paul, in the next verses, gives us a rapid-fire list of the new self versus the old self differences. Not exhaustive list, but an exemplary run. And each one he's going to say, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? When you have uh, 15 times you've told your toddler the same thing over and over. Maybe it's not your toddler. 15 times you've told your teenager the same thing over and over. Okay, maybe it's not your teenager. 15 times you told your husband the same thing over and over. How are you going to navigate that with the, with the new self or the old self? When you have an important meeting this week, are you, are you going to be new self or are you going to be old self? When when you go to talk to your uh, husband or, or wife about your finances and, and how to navigate them, and does God want us to be generous or going on missions or whatever it is, are you going to navigate that in your new self or in your old self? Look down at your outfit. You're driving in your car, you're getting really mad. Look at what outfit are you wearing. Ooh, right now I'm, I'm wearing the old self outfit. You say, oh, I've got to take that off. Put on my new self. You get frustrated with people or, Maybe there's a habitual sin that you know is coming up and it's always the same person who kind of drags you into it. How am I going to approach this person with my, with my old self or am I going to approach it with a new self? Because we've all got to actively decide. Now in our next few verses, Paul's going to say, here's a whole bunch of places. Now, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's an exemplary one. So he says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we're all members of one body. The new self tells truth. 
the motive for doing this is that we're, we're all in this kind of together. We're all one. So therefore, there's no place for lying to each other. We interact with others, and when we do so, we do it in a truthful way. Then he says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. The new self may get angry, but don't allow your emotions to cause you to sin. The new self knows how to let go of wrath, thus giving no opportunity for the devil. See, the devil's work is to accuse, to lie, and to divide, and and cause you to lash out, to, to sow discord among your own soul and among relationships. And when we harbor anger in our heart, we do the devil's work for him. Next, he says in Ephesians 4.28, Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those who are in need. The new self doesn't steal but works. This not only provides for one's own need, but also to have something to give to other people. You see that in that verse? So powerful. So the purpose of getting then becomes that I can then be generous. It's not just about me. It's not just self-indulgent. God says, yes, work. Work hard. Make as much money as you can so that you can enjoy it, but so that you can give to others and be generous. That's the new self. The old self is just for me. Self-indulgent. In your actions, the principle would be change a bad behavior for a good behavior. 429. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The new self knows how to watch their tongue, speaking only what's good for edification, desiring to impart grace to everyone who hears you, sharing God's love through your words before you talk to someone, especially if you're frustrated at them, especially if you're on tilt. Say, how am I going to talk to this person? When the words come out of my mouth, is it going to benefit them? Because here's what it's saying. The the talk has to not just be for your venting. The talk has to be for the benefit of other people because I'm having a conversation with someone else. Unless you're talking to yourself, then, then say whatever you want to say. But if someone else is involved, the new self says, i got to benefit this person, even if I'm frustrated, even if we have different points of view, even if I disagree with them. At the end of it, my conversation has to have gone in such a way that they're benefited by it. Now, they may not agree with me. Uh, they, they may think that I'm wrong about a point. But at the end, I've told them the truth of God. I've said it in a loving way. I haven't cut them down, tore them down, blasted them up. And that's what God's asking us to do. In your speech, don't destroy. Instead, build up. That's what the new self looks like. Old self versus new self, and we get to choose how we navigate. Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The new self doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit, knowing that he's our seal, both in the sense of identification and, and protection and a guarantee. Look, there's many ways to grieve the Holy Spirit. You could Neglect your holiness and and grieve the Holy Spirit. You could think of life in purely materialistic ways, and that would grieve the Holy Spirit. You could fall back into the old habits of of the old you, and that grieves the Holy Spirit. Anytime that you go against the things of God, you'll grieve the Holy Spirit. 
I want you to hear this one very carefully because sometimes we're like, oh man, the Spirit, I've hurt the Spirit. That's not what grieving the Holy Spirit means. The Holy Spirit's grieved mainly for your sake. He knows what misery, sin will bring you. That's why he's grieved. He knows the sorrows that sins will cause you. He grieves over you because he sees how much guilt you're about to incur by going down that wrong path. He, how much communion you're going to lose with God and other people when you choose to not follow God. How much less effective you'll be in your witness. How much less fulfilled you'll be in your life. And so the Holy Spirit grieves for you more than because of you. Those of us that are parents know what that's like. My kid is messing up. I'm grieved. But I'm not grieved because they're hurting me. I'm not grieved because my, my, my kid doing something or making bad decisions. That, that didn't actually didn't physically hurt me. I'm doing great. You know, my wife and I have a good relationship. But when they, they don't follow God, when they fall down a path that, that they shouldn't be going down, it grieves me. But for their sake, because I love them, because I know that those decisions, they're going to be bad for them. And that's the same sense the Bible is saying. You don't hurt the Holy Spirit. He's not like, oh, oh no, I'm sad now. I'm, I'm worse off. The Holy Spirit's God. He's in perfection. But he's grieved because he, he wants something so much better for you. And he knows the consequences for you are going to be negative. The new you embraces, also the, the old, the new you rejects emotional projections onto others. Look at Ephesians 4.31. So it rejects these negative ones. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of brawling. Get rid of slander, along with every other form of malice. The new self has control over these negative emotions. When such things do emerge, you'll be able to deal with them in a manner that glorifies God. Bitterness speaks of of me first, wronged and holding on to it. Get rid of that. That only hurts you. Bitterness is just a horrible pill for you to swallow. So get rid of it. Rage speaks of an outburst at the moment, but anger speaks of this simmering internal anger. You know what? Both have to be put away. Both are going to cause damage to your soul. Slander is talk that attempts to destroy just toss out that type of talk. And then embrace the, the positive emotions that come with the new self. And he lists those in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and be compassionate to one another. Forgive others just as Jesus Christ forgave you. The new self seeks to same the sh show the same kindness, the same tenderheartedness, the same compassion to others that God has showed us. Your Forgiveness to others mirrors the forgiveness of Jesus to you. When you think of the amazing way God forgives you, you don't withhold forgiveness to others. Rather, you lavish it upon them, even if they don't deserve it. Even if they didn't say sorry in the right way. Because God loved you when you were a sinner to him. God loved you when you were an enemy of him. And he lavished his love upon you. So the Bible's saying, look, you've got to make a decision in your mind, and you've got to make it daily. Are you going to live in a way that honors God? Are you going to live in the new self, 
or are you going to live as your old self? You get to choose. And it's not just a one-time choice. It's not like I accepted Jesus and now I'm never tempted again. But you know what? This old jacket, that thing's so sneaky. I usually wake up with it on. Right? I, don't, I went to bed with that one. I was praying before I went to bed and I wake up what? Angry for no reason. Well, the, the cats were bugging at 5 a.m. and so maybe that's the reason. But this guy, sneaky, he shows up all the time. I'm going into, you know, whatever situation I'm going into. This guy, what are you doing here? I don't want you. I want the, I want the new self. So it's not a one-time deal where like, then, oh, then you're perfect, you know. Just like, you know, worship leader Freddie, you know. Perfect. I, I wouldn't use myself because you guys know I'm not. So <laughs> that's not how it works. Every day, that other old self trying to sneak back that down. You gotta say, what am I gonna wear today? And it's not just in the morning. You're gonna be ten minutes into your car. You're gonna be five minutes into work. You're gonna be part way through lunch. You're gonna be a phone call from someone, oh, then again. And so it's constantly check yourself, what are you wearing? Are you walking in the new self or are you clothed with clothed with the old self? You get to decide and it happens first in your mind before any behaviors happen. So be renewed in the attitude of your mind and make a decision each morning and then each time throughout the day say, nope, I'm wearing the God jacket. I'm wearing the Jesus jacket. I'm holding on to that one in all my interactions. And it'll change how I talk. It'll change uh, my anger. It'll change my bitterness. It'll change how I lie. It'll change how I steal. It'll change how I do my homework. It'll change how I interact with my friends. It'll change everything if we walk in that new self. Living a life worthy of your calling means that you are consistently walking in that new self, putting off the old and embracing the incredible new. And I promise you, because God promises you, that the new is a way better way to walk. The old jacket is ratty and it's ugly and you kind of think it's good, but it smells bad and nobody else likes it. The new self is fly and crisp and good and everything that's amazing. And so I want to invite you to maybe just sit in that. We've been doing this a little bit lately. Just just sit in these verses today and say, God, I want these verses to settle on me. God, I want to settle into this. What what are you saying to me? God, I know what you're saying to me. Give me strength to do it, though. So let that settle a bit, then we're going to end it.